morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We're excited that you're here. Also excited to have all those who are joining us on Facebook Live. We welcome you. And again, as I say every week to the point where people kind of get tired of it, take just a moment and share this from our Facebook page to yours. Even if you're in the auditorium, pick up your phone right now and go onto your Facebook uh, app there and share it from our Facebook page to your Facebook page. Because again, it just multiplies the people that will be exposed to that powerful worship, amen. I mean, goodness gracious, uh, I'm telling you, uh, I t well, yeah, I don't even know. I don't have words for that. I almost just wanted to say amen and we just leave, you know what I mean? That's kind of the way you just kind of want to, but again, take a moment and share that. Let people experience that and let them hear the message uh, that we're going to have today. Well, <coughs> we're in a series, week two of a series that I titled, Don't Tell Me, Show Me. Uh, and that's kind of one of those things that I have lived by for so many years because I've been so disenfranchised with, honestly, the lives of people who follow Jesus, uh, including myself. Let me just say that. I'm not just talking about other people, uh, that we're really good to talk about things, but we're not so good living out the things that we say we believe. And the title of this series, like I said, it may throw some of you off, and I get that, but at the root of these four weeks, last week, this week, and the next two weeks leading up to Easter, is we really want to show, we want to have an understanding and be able to show people what good, authentic followers of Jesus look like. We want to show them what those people who follow Jesus do with their lives, what those people actually do. And our desire is to show people what we're doing, not just what they're doing, but what we're doing with our lives. Because out of the mouth of Jesus were those words Love other people the way that you've been loved. And, and that's hard for some of us because we can be so judgmental. You know, we see people who are different from us, different color, different religion, different sexuality. And again, we just want to kind of judge them and to push them to the side. But Jesus told us to love everyone in the way that we have been loved. So last weekend, after our services, I was so encouraged to hear from many of you, uh, and again, I realized the last series was nine weeks. I don't normally do nine-week series. I think some people were just glad to be on a new topic, but again, uh, it was great to listen to you and to get feedback, feedback from some of you about week one uh, of this series, and honestly, after our time together last weekend, uh, it made me think of a quote, and I want to put it up there on the screen so that you see this. And, and here's, the, here's the quote, because it kind of just encapsulates the whole series. And, and it's by St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times. And if it's necessary, use words. I mean, that just speaks to the to really the, the very core, the very bottom line of this, of this series that, you know, preach the gospel at all times. Use your life to preach the gospel. And if it's necessary, then open your mouth because that's really the bottom line when it comes to this series because here's the thing. You, like me, can tell people about Jesus. We should all be telling people about Jesus, and we should be doing it with our words because words are important. I mean, let me, let, me just, let, me, let, me let me just stop right there. Words are important because that's what I do. I preach and I teach and I use words all the time. But when I actually model it, when I take the time to live it out, when I live out the things that I say I believe, that becomes super attractive and impactful when it comes to affecting the lives of other people. You know, I remember sometime back being out in town and I ran across an individual that I didn't know and that's becoming more and more kind of the norm. Used to be I knew everybody. I mean, again, I literally knew everybody. For those that don't know, I used to own a chain of convenience stores. My wife is in business. We're just in business. We knew everybody, and everybody know, knew us. And now everybody that I don't know is from California. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so anyway, and I understand that. I mean, I mean, I would get out of there too, right? I mean, I would get out of there too. But uh, again, I ran across somebody out in public, and, and they, the, the conversation started. And, and just so you know, and just so you don't judge me too much, I don't normally like to tell people what I do. 
Because, let me tell you why, just hold on. When I tell people what I do, they treat me differently. And I just like for people to be, you know, themselves. I mean, just be yourself. And then when you find out what I can do, then you can crawl under the carpet. You know what I'm saying? But, but again, again, naturally when people find out what I do, they just start treating me different. So I try not to tell people what I do. But anyway, I ran across somebody that I did not know, and they started the conversation and said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, my name's Randy. I'm the pastor of Crossroads, uh, and we meet uh, up at the mill, which used to be the old woolen mill. And, and they kind of stopped, and they said, well, what, Crossroads, that's that church that helps people. That's that, wait, 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 that's that church that helps people at Christmas. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I said, that, that's us. And, and that's what I want you to think about. Because those words that were spoken are better than any sermon that I could ever preach. For people to recognize you as a church that helps people. They don't know anything about Wombaland. They don't know anything about Upstreet. They don't know anything about Inside Out. They don't know anything, most of them, about that powerful worship that you just experienced. They just know when they hear the word Crossroads Church that that's the church that helps people. That's the church that helps people. That's the church where they don't just talk about it. They don't just talk about love and kindness and gentleness. But those people actually with their lives, they live it out. When you look at their lives, that's actually something that you're going to be able to see. Now, if you were with us last week, then you know we kicked off this series by talking about love and kindness. And, and one of the points that I made last week was that love and kindness are are two things that they're just like two peas in a pod. They're just, they're just inseparable. They're just, in, they're just linked in ways that it's really kind of unexplainable. And if you missed the start of the series, then you need to go online and, and, and listen to it or see it. You can go on our Facebook page, page and scroll down till last Sunday, and you'll be able to watch the worship, see it, and experience it. But again, it's just so foundational when it comes to those two things because those two things are important to really understanding where we're going to be going the next three weeks today and the next two weeks following this. Because again, what we're doing is we're going into Galatians 5 and we're actually looking at nine things that are nine characteristics that the Holy Spirit wants to form in you if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. And we started with love and kindness, because those two things are, like I said, they're just linked together. And again, if you didn't hear it, if you didn't see it, you need to go back and, and, and catch it, because again, uh, those are what we call the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine characteristics, there are nine fruits of the, of the Spirit that we talked about last week. And what we're doing is we're kind of breaking those nine things down, and we're talking about a few of those every week. Last week was love and kindness, but this weekend, we're going to talk about joy and goodness. And what's interesting is this, like love and kindness, joy and goodness, they're just two things that honestly, they just go hand in hand. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to show you a verse. And, and this is one of those verses that I have actually experienced have you ever had a verse of Scripture that you've read it, uh, you remember it, uh, it's something on your mind, but you've actually experienced it? Well, I want to give you a verse this morning from Proverbs 11, verse 17, and this is a proverb, this is a verse of Scripture where I have actually experienced the truth of this verse in my own life. Here's what the writer says in Proverbs 11, your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but it's destroyed when you are cruel. Your own soul, like mine, is nourished when you're kind to other people, but your soul, like mine, is destroyed when you're cruel. Now, let me ask you, and, and, and give me an uh-huh or yeah or amen or something. Haven't you experienced that in your own life? I mean, when you're kind, you just feel good, but when you're mean and ugly and apathetic, you're like the Grinch, and there's just something inside of you that starts to shrivel up. 
But on the other side of that, when you do good, you just feel nourished inside. You feel nourished and, and blessed and, and deeply satisfied when you do good, when you're kind to other people. There, there's just this, listen, listen, there's this deep joy, one of those characteristics, one of those fruits of the Spirit. There's this deep joy that you just feel inside. And honestly, no, let, let, me, let me say something because this, this might make some of you think I'm a little bit of a heretic, heretic or whatever. You, you know, uh, uh, just call me a tick, okay? <laughs> when you do good for other people, when you're kind to other people, there's something in you that makes you kind of feel God, godly. And some of you say, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa. I, don't know what you, I don't know what you're saying there. When you do good to other people, when you're kind to other people, it's not surprising, listen, that you should feel godly. Because you and I have been created in the image of a God, listen, who loves to do good. And when he sees his children, his kids out there like me and you doing good, you know what he says? Ah, now you're getting it. Now you're catching on. Because when you do good things, Tina, you're doing the things I created you to do. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. I want you to see what it says. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Crossroads history. Here's what it says. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's the very reason why it feels good when you and I do good. Because, listen, you were created to do good on behalf of a good God. You were created to do good on behalf of a good God. And, and, and again, one of the things that I think is really interesting to me is the Bible is full of, and, and I teach about them here quite often, uh, full of principles. But there is one principle that I think is really interesting to me, and it's something that I call a boomerang principle. I mean, think about a boomerang this morning. When you throw a, a boomerang, what's it supposed to do? Come back to you. Well, there are boomerang principles in the Bible. There are those things that, that just come back around. And one of my favorite verses is a verse that we looked at during the last series, and here it is. I want to give it to you, Proverbs 11, verse 25. It says, the generous will prosper those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See that? That's how goodness and joy come back. That's how goodness and joy boomerang. Those two go hand in hand. Joy and goodness, they go hand in hand. You bless and you feel blessed. You refresh and you feel refreshed. It's the very reason that Jesus said, give, and it shall be given to you. I mean, Jesus said that. Jesus said, give, and it's going to be given to you. And he even went further later when he said, you know what? It's so much better to give than it is to receive. And some of you struggle with that you know, give and it shall be given to you, uh, and it's so much better to give than to receive. But here's the thing I want you to understand. When Jesus actually said that, Jesus was actually just letting people know this is just the natural law of the universe. This is actually the way that things were created to be. When you give, it's going to be given to you. It's the natural law of the universe. That's just, Jesus was just saying, this is what you have to understand. That's just the way that things were set up. Because there is a better joy-filled way to live your life. You can live a self-centered life, which leads to a hard heart, which leads to a cynical heart. Or you can make the choice to do good, to be full of goodness, 
and to do good with your life and experience what I call a rush of actually living beyond yourself. I'm having a hard time getting out of Proverbs on that last series. I want to go back to Proverbs because like I told you last series, it's a book of wisdom that speaks so clearly to your life and to my life. I mean, you thought we were finished with the series in Proverbs, but here's the thing. In actuality, on day-to-day living, you just can't escape the wisdom of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 27. Here's what it says. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it is in your power to do it. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Listen, my lips to your ears. Most of the time, you have the power to do good. Amen? Most of the time, it's in your power. I mean, think about it. Today, when you leave here, there are going to be countless opportunities all around you to do good. You just have to look. You just have to notice. You just have to be in tune with the Spirit to see the opportunities that God puts in front of you to be able to do good. Now, let me just say this. I do believe that we need to use discernment when it comes to doing good for other people. You don't need to stop for every person on the road who needs something. You don't need to respond to every sign of somebody standing out at Walmart. I caught absolute heck one day from this stage from some visitors when I said, you know what, I just most of the time do not feel compelled to give to people who are standing on every corner. I just don't. And again, I have a very strong sense or gift of discernment, which is a double-edged sword. And these people got so ticked at me because I said, you know, you just can't give to everybody because sometimes people, listen, here's the bottom line. This is what I'm telling you. You have to use discernment. Notice that it said, what what did the scripture say? Alex, go back to that scripture we just looked at, Proverbs 3.27. It says, do not withhold good from whom it is due. Now, let me speak honestly. Because sometimes when you help people or you want to help people, you're not actually helping them, you're actually hurting them. Sometimes when you think you're helping people, you're actually enabling them and their bad habits. Sometimes when you help people, it can keep those same people from dealing with their dysfunction. It can rob them of the drive to work or make a living and to make more out of their life. So here's the thing. Sometimes you just have to be able to use discernment because, here's the bottom line, sometimes you're just going to get conned. You're going to get conned. Somebody's going to just pull the wool over your eyes. And that's the very reason why wisdom and discernment is so important. Because you don't want to allow your heart to get cynical and calloused. See, I hope you want to be like I want to be. Because I want to live with a soft heart. I want to live with a heart of compassion. And if I live with a heart of compassion, here's what I do know, even though I'm using wisdom, even though I'm using discernment, every now and then I'm going to occasionally get taken advantage of. And that's, that's just part of it. But I want to look at that same verse, Proverbs 3, verse 27, but this time we're going to look at it from the message. And here's what the message says in Proverbs 3, verse 27. It says, never walk away. From someone who deserves your help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor maybe some other time or or try me tomorrow when the money is right there in your pocket. In other words, what they're saying is we should not withhold good 
from those to whom it is due. When it is in our power to do it. When you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and prompting you to do it. Don't wait. Don't push it off when it's in your power. What what does the scripture say? When it's in your power, go ahead and do it. And again, if you didn't, if you didn't, if you weren't here last week and you didn't hear the message or you didn't see the message, something that we said, how does the Holy Spirit work when it's when he's trying to develop these characteristics, these nine fruits of the Spirit? One of the ways that I told you last week was what? He convicts, he empowers, and he waits. That's simply the way that God works. So again, if you missed last week of this series, then go back and listen. When it's in your power to do it, then do it. Let let me speak to those of you in this auditorium, those of you watching online and listening online who I know, I know many of you who have big hearts. You're the people who have those big, gigantic, caring hearts. And let me tell you, if that's you, then I just want you to hear from me to you, you guys are the best. You guys with the big hearts, you are the best. But you also have a way of beating yourself up because you're the people, the people with the big caring hearts that always feel like, you know what, I'm not doing enough. You're the person who gets overwhelmed by all the needs of the world. And you kind of go through life with this guilt trip because You can't feed every hungry person. You can't house every homeless family. You can't rescue every dog or every cat. And if that's you, the big-hearted person, then I'm going to tell you, you might not feel that nourishing feeling that comes with goodness if you have that big, caring heart. Because the people with the big, caring hearts... They're the people who oftentimes feel like, you know what, I just simply haven't done enough. But this proverb that we just looked at, Proverbs 3, verse 27, implies that you need to understand sometimes it's not in your power. Sometimes there are going to be times and needs out there that need to be met. And you know what? You just can't do it. And when you can't do it, you know what you have to do? You have to rely that our God has somebody else picked out and prepared to meet that need that you can't meet. And you know what God may do? In that moment when there's a need that you can't meet, he might touch somebody else's heart. And he might let them receive the blessing that goodness brings. You're not going to be able to meet every need. I love this quote by Andy Stanley, and I'm going to put it up so you can see it. And here's what Andy says. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Again, I told you, write it down, get your camera, take a picture. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Instead of being that person who tries to meet all the needs of the world, look for the one that God puts in front of you. Do for one the things that you wish you could do for everyone. I've told you guys before, and again, you don't have to get a visual. But God speaks more clearly to me in two places. The car and the shower. I have heard God speak more clearly to me in the shower than I have anywhere. And again, don't just, just let, go with me on this. I've tried to rationalize that. And one of the ways I've rationalized it is there I am, bare and naked before God. Kind of held captive within the walls of my shower. And there's something about that water running and just the silence of the room 
that God clearly speaks to me. So here's the thing maybe you want to do tomorrow. Maybe in the shower or maybe in the car or maybe in the place that God speaks to you more clearly than any other place. Just ask God to put somebody in front of you. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Ask God in the morning to put someone in front of you. And here's the thing. Don't just ask him to put somebody in front of you, but ask him to make sure and to help you see the person that he puts in front of you. Because honestly, if you're like me, you're missing way too many opportunities because you're self-focused. Because you're moving too fast. You miss the opportunities that God puts directly in front of you because you're too self-absorbed. The opportunities are there. You just don't see them. I'm a skinny white man. But I'm still brave enough to go to Sam's in Antioch. And I love it. I mean, I love Sam's and Annie. It's like going to a third world country. It really is. I mean, if you've ever been, it really is. There are people from all over the world, and I have built some great relationships, and it kind of catches people off guard because if they go with me and I see some of these people, different nationalities, different colors, I hug them and I kiss them, and we just talk like we're old friends because I've been going there for so long. Here's what happened. A couple of months ago, I went to Sam's, and uh, I got all our stuff. It's, it's only for the, for the church here. And uh, I had put my stuff in the car. I had emptied my basket. I was taking it back to the corral. And I noticed a lady who was coming out with a load of stuff, and she had a child. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit said, hey, why don't you help her out? Well, let me just tell you, in this day and time, you've got to be careful who you're going to help out. Because I don't want to get sprayed with mace. You know what I'm saying? So I let her know... Uh, I probably saw her from here to the back of the auditorium, and I made her know that I was approaching her, and I would be glad to help her. And she was a little reluctant, which I understand. I mean, a good-looking white man approaching you in Sam's parking lot. I mean, I get it. But she slowly allowed me to help her load her items into her vehicle, and I returned the cart to the corral, and I was done. Again, it wasn't anything big. It was somebody that God had put in front of me. It was somebody who needed help. And again, here's the thing. You know who was more blessed in that transaction than anybody? It was me. What a rush it can be. And what a reminder it can be of how many opportunities God puts in my path. When it's, in, listen, listen, listen. when it's in your power. When it's in your power, and most of the time it is. Then you know what you do? You just let your heart explode with goodness and let that goodness get all over them. Because when that goodness comes out of your heart and it gets on them, you know what you feel? You feel the smile of God on your life by doing good. And let me tell you, more, more than ever, now more than ever, let me tell you, now more than ever, there are people all around you today who need a touch of goodness. Am I right? They need a touch of goodness. And Scripture makes it clear. Look at Psalm 82. It says, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Here's another verse that I know that many of you are very familiar with. James 1, verse 27, it says this. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. 1 John 4 says this. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. 
There's another verse from Isaiah, and I love this. And here's what it says. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from your relatives. I know some of you. Do do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. You hear me? You hear me lots of times pray God go before us and behind us right here. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. The most important word that we read in Isaiah 58 is the word then. Then, if you live like that, then if that's the way you live, you will see that joy and goodness go hand in hand. There's healing for yourself, listen, by not focusing on yourself. Ooh, that's good. You can experience healing in your life when you don't focus on your life. Now, let me say this again. Doing good is going to be inconvenient. Doing good is going to cost you some money. Doing good is going to cost you some time. Doing good for other people might stretch you beyond your comfort zone. But let me ask you a question. Who wants to live in the comfort zone? You know where I would rather live? In the compassion zone. Where I'm having compassion for my fellow man. Because when I do, I feel the smile of God on my life. When I'm out there doing good for other people. Look at Galatians 6 verse 9. It says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then Jesus comes along and says, for those who are willing to give away their life for his sake, they're the ones who are going to know what it's like to really live. If you're willing to give away your life for his sake, then you're the one that's going to know what it's really like to, to live. So that, isn't that what we all, all want to do? Don't we all want to really live? Because the nourishing of our soul, let me tell you, it's hard for this, this culture to get this. The, nur- the, the, the nourishing of our soul, it happens when we take the time to give ourselves away. Goodness and joy are inseparably linked together. I want to throw out a statement that goes countercultural. It goes exactly against the grain of the culture that you're immersed in, and I'm going to put it up so that you can see it. Here's what it is. As long as you're all about you, you will never be happy. As long as you are all about you, you're never going to be happy. Think about it. That, that statement goes hand in hand with this series. Because I, like you, have chased happy. There are lots of people in this room, lots of people watching and listening online. There are lots of people out here in Lebanon chasing happy. They're doing everything they can to try to find happy. But do you want to be happy? Do you want a great life? Then here's what you do. Throw a towel over your arm and go out and serve somebody else. Put a towel over your arm like Jesus modeled and go out and serve other people. 
Because Jesus pointed us to a life and said, if you're going to live a life that's all about you, then you need to understand, if life is all about you, you will never be happy. If it's always about you, there's going to be that hole inside of you that never gets filled. And you will never be happy. But you want to know how to be happy? You can serve your way there. You can serve your way into happiness. Over the last several years, research has been done when it comes to jobs and happiness, the connection, the correlation. And there was a study that said, what, what are the most fulfilling jobs or, or what are the most fulfilling careers? And guess what jobs or careers were at the top of the list? It was a job or a career where you were helping other people. Those where you care for other people, protect other people, serve other people. In the survey, people said those were the jobs that were the most fulfilling. And here's the other thing that was really interesting. The survey also said there was no correlation between income of that job and job satisfaction. Because once a person reached a point where they could eat and pay their bills and take a bath and have a roof over their heads, those people said they were happy. They were happy with their job. And here's the thing that was interesting. If more income was actually added to the job, there was no significant increase in what I call the happiness factor. The happiness factor simply originated in serving other people and doing good. In another study, the question was asked, is there a connection between happiness and health and selflessness? Is there a connection between happiness and health and selflessness? And the answer came back with a resounding yes. And we're talking about people, we're talking about people, they, they weren't doing something just once a year when it came to serving other people. But these were people who made serving and doing good a part of their lifestyle. Somewhere in their life, they learned to consistently carve out a, 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 a block of time where they would serve other people. And he, he, look, look, look right here at me. The study showed that those people who live beyond themselves, listen, listen to me this morning, some of you who are dealing with depression, but this study showed those people who served and did good for other people, they experienced less depression, less stress, less heart disease. And on the other side, they had higher levels of commitment and satisfaction. And here's the really amazing thing that they found out. It was with teenagers. Teenagers who volunteered. Parents, listen to me. Grandparents, listen to me. For teenagers who served other people and helped other people, they experienced far less drug addiction, less planned, uh, unplanned pregnancies, they had higher self-esteem, and they were healthier mentally and physically. Parents, listen to me. In fact, parents, listen, listen, listen. In fact, the study concluded, even if you have to force your teenager to serve other people, you need to do it. Because the study found that teenagers who served in their teen years, they usually carried that act of servanthood, of volunteering with them into their adulthood as well as the benefits of serving. 
because it just becomes part of who they are. It's part of what they do. It's just who they are. I mean, you, you may go out in this community and you may have something that you start and, and it grows and it helps lots of people. Like, like you know, we have uh, Compassionate Hands. I referred to them last week. We have Joseph's Storehouse. We have the Health Center. I mean, we have multiple people who have started uh, All For Him Ministry. You may go out and like those people, you may start something that starts really small and it grows really big. But you may not be able to do something like that. So just do for the one. Just do for the one the thing that you wish that you could do for everyone. Look for that one person who needs something. Look for somebody in your yard who, who needs their, their, their yard mowed. Look for somebody who maybe is elderly and they have to roll their trash can to the road and they have to roll it back once a week. Why don't you just stop and say, you know what, I'm going to take care of that every Tuesday, every Thursday. I, I'm just going to take care of that. Look for somebody who needs a ride to the doctor or to the store and they don't have a way to get there. Just look for the one that God puts in front of you. And do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. Now, the thing that's really interesting to me is that in all of the research from around the world, it all comes to the same counterintuitive conclusion that Jesus comes to. And let me show you what that conclusion is. Selflessness leads to happiness. That's what Jesus said. Selflessness needs to happen, leads to happiness. And let me just tell you this morning, that might be something that some of you don't get. How could living selflessly actually make me happier? How could emptying myself make me feel full? I don't get it. And then there are some of you have experienced, that have experienced exactly what I'm talking about. But even though you've experienced it, you don't know how it works. But you would say, you know what, I'm so much happier when I'm doing something for someone else rather than doing something for me. And let me just say this, it doesn't make sense. On the surface, it makes absolutely no sense. And that's the very reason why most people don't do it. But those that do, they will tell you that the absolute best way to fill yourself up is to empty yourself out. I didn't ask permission to say this from this individual. But I have somebody in my life who embodies this. And some of you are going to know her. I didn't realize that her husband had passed away this week. But it's Miss Jimmy Bennett up at Lebanon Heating and Air. Some of you guys may know her. She's an amazing saint of God. Her family has owned and operated Lebanon Heating, Air for, Heating and Air for years. And she still works there. She's probably in her 80s. And she still works there. But every day after she finishes there, she turns around and she goes and serves at Joseph's Storehouse. And she's one of the kindest, happiest, most spirit-filled women that I know. And let me just tell you, if you want somebody praying for you, you want Miss Jimmy to be praying for you because she will bombard the very gates of heaven on your behalf. And when you look at her life, you're going to see on display joy and goodness. Let me just ask you a question. What is right in front of you? Who is right in front of you? Just take a minute this week, today, this afternoon, tomorrow, and notice them. Notice it. And when it's in your power to do good, then do it. And feel the smile of God. And feel that unexplainable joy that rises up in your life 
when you do good. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, it's so often in our power to do good and to know that these two things are inextricably linked. Goodness and joy, like love and kindness. And every day there are many opportunities for us to do good. God, we ask you this morning to forgive us for the opportunities that we've missed. But God, do something new in us that allows us to to hear your voice and to, to see your activity in our life. To notice those people who who need a touch and allow us to be your hand. Let us do for the one what we wish we could do for everyone. Start something new in us individually and in us in a church because in us as a church because over the last two years we've gotten lazy. We need people serving, we need people giving, we need people helping so that we can be the hands of Jesus and the feet of Jesus in our community. So God, by your spirit, do what you have to do in these people's lives. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen.
God, let us get back on point with what you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. Don't allow, don't allow the, the distractions, the division, the politics to keep us from what is most important, and that's following Jesus, developing those fruits of the Spirit in our own lives. God, bring and create that new wine in all of us as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus name